Hello and welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I'm Kayla, and I'm here with my co-host... Lucky Charms. Ooh. (laughs) Because in the movie we're talking about, there's a character called Applejack, and I don't like that cereal, so I had to pick a cereal that I like. What would your cereal heist name be? Uh, it would probably be Cheerios. Cheerios, really? Like plain Cheerios? Like not even like anything else? I mean, any kind of flavored Cheerios, Cheerios are fine. I usually just eat Honey Nut. Um, mm. Honey Nut Cheerios is a little long. Yeah, and you the... don't want it. To, I don't think you want Honey Nut to be your name. No, so <laughs> I think maybe Cheerios is probably fine. I guess. Occasionally, our one. store has like flavored ones. Like I had a Honey mm. Vanilla Cheerio recently that was good. Wow. And then like they have a pumpkin spice one in mm. the fall. Yes, I've had that one. That's a good one. Good Cheerio. Cheerios are one of the only like gluten free cereals. Right. So that and Rice Krispies. Mm. Um, Not a fan fun of those. times. But enough enough talking about cereal. Let's um get into the episode, which this is a pretty exciting episode. This is our first en- entry into our Summer of West series where we're going to be going through Wes Anderson's um, filmography. Last summer, we did the Summer of Star Wars. And so this summer, we wanted to do something we like a little bit more than <laughs> Star Wars. Um, not knows? that we don't like Star Wars, but watching Star Wars, all Star Wars, back to back to back, like all, all of them of it, was a yeah. lot. Yeah, just consuming all its Star Wars content at one time was not yeah. our best decision. <laughs> this might have a little more variety. Um, and yeah, so we'll do one of these at the beginning of every month of summer. So June, July, August, and September, just the first um, Tuesday of every month. And this is our first one. So before we jump into that, though, we have a couple of answers to our last week's question of the week. Um, And if you want to skip these, uh, there's a timestamp below. And so if you wanted to skip right into the Summer of West stuff, you can skip that. But for everyone else, let's go over our answers to last week's question of the week, which was, what would be your call sign? Mm. Because we reviewed Top Gun 2, which they have call signs, as we talked about in that episode. Uh Uh-huh. So your our, my call sign we stuck with stats I believe last episode, but your call sign we came up with a new one. Yeah, rewind. Which now is your Twitter? Which now is on your Twitter handle? I said it in the episode. I was yeah. like, I'll change it on Twitter to rewind. And you did. You, and I did. I followed you, through. You stuck true. <laughs> followed through on that one. Um, but we had to ask everyone else. You know what our audience's call signs would be. We got a couple interesting ones. Um, I'll start with um, Dan's here from the Film Was Lit podcast. He said "cold brew," which you know that I think Ooh. that's two syllables. It's nice and short and sweet, or not sweet. I don't know how you have your cold brew. Maybe you drink it black. I'm trying to think what the sticker would be though. Like you know, they have sticker the the logo. Sure, probably just coffee beans. Like the whole, so it's like coffee beans make up all the letters. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be yeah, fun. Yeah, that sounds good. Cold brew. Yeah, cold brew. Do you like cold brew? Are you a cold brew fan? I am. I do really like cold brew. Hmm. I'm not as much of a fan, but I mean, I'll drink it. Like, I'm not not a fan. It's kind of like um the Eagles, like, or I get like the band. Like, you know, I'm not not a fan, but I'm just like, I wouldn't say I'm an Eagles fan hmm. of the band. Not the football team. I don't give a crap about that. 
I'm talking about the band. Um, <laughs> moving on, we have another food-related one. Ruby said waffle. This is because um, she um, she said I mean dot 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 waffle like because that has been her um, username on yeah. Twitter for a while. For a while. Nickname. And yeah, that's a good one too. I think it's it's short. fun. It's, it is sweet. Waffles are mm, sweet. I'm a fan of waffles. Mm. What is your waffle order? Um. Well, now it's whatever is gluten free. Right. Uh, well, like but... pretend that there's a magical land where gluten free stuff. Like you don't have to think about. I that. used to get um. Like I'll I I'm I'm a fan of just like the regular Eggo waffles. Um, oh, but yes. I like like yes. the blueberry Good ones choice. or the like chocolate chip ones, and then mm-hmm. I can get behind like a real like actual, you know, like cook a waffle Belgian too. Waffle yeah, with like deal. fruit on it. You know, maybe some right. strawberries, some raspberries, some blueberries. Yeah, you, you can do a lot of stuff with waffles. Um, I did you ever have the Eggo waffles that were like the Lego? Ego waffles, probably. Where, like, they're like shaped like Legos, and you could like interlock them if you cooked them like actually and made them hard enough. It was pretty cool. Huh. I don't know why fun. they want kids to play with their food, but that's what I did with those. I'm not a big like syrup person though, so okay, yeah. I don't, so it'd be nice I don't have my dry. waffles with syrup. What do we get on Twitter? We got a couple on Twitter too. Um, here. let's see. Alice the DM one says chunky monkey what's that one four syllables definitely on the longer end i I feel like it needs to be shortened i think monkey would be good just monkey yeah like that seems kind of fun yeah i think it can be taken a lot of different ways you know it's a little more ambiguous it's like why was this your you know maybe it's because you ate a lot of bananas oh maybe it's because you like you like they went to a like a playground and then they hung upside down Maybe you, know? you laugh and it sounds like a chimp. Maybe. That's also, you could also or do that. Or maybe you a just like monkeys. Things. Yeah. I mean, monkeys are not bad. I like them in like movies and stuff. I don't think I would like them in real life. Like from a distance, I'll enjoy a, a monkey, mm. but not in my room. Except as Curious George. I like Curious George. I do like He's Curious George. I, I like monkeys. They're my favorite animal. Wow. Fun fact. Um, and then lastly, we have Dan here. He said long wind, which I think this is in reference to, I mean, we've read his, we've talked about his um, answers to our questions, which are always um, very long winded. So long wind. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I, he also plays, I believe, euphonium. If I'm, I might, if I'm wrong, then I'm very sorry. Um, but I think it's euphonium. Um, and it's a wind instrument. Mm. So... You know, it goes. It can go both ways. You gotta, so that's a good you've one. You've got to have good uh, breath for that. Truly, truly, yeah. It's no um, no violin there where you can just breathe whenever you want to. I think these are pretty good ones. I think we should just instead of nicknames, just call everything call signs. Uh, um, going yeah. forward. I agree. Like, instead of being like, yeah, that's my nickname. Like, yeah, that's my call sign. I think it's just cooler. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so thank you everyone for answering and we'll have another question at the end of this episode um, for you also to answer and then we'll read that in the next episode. You know, it's like a vicious cycle mm-hmm. as they call it. But let's jump into the reason everyone's here, which is um, the Summer of West series. Um, so you, I think, 
suggested this series. So do you want, why did you suggest this series for us to do? Um, I don't remember. Uh, I know that obviously we both love Wes Anderson and consider him in uh, our favorite director, like lists for sure. We needed uh, something for summer. <laughs> And I was we like, yes. we've talked about doing, like, some Wes Anderson stuff, but we didn't really do a French Dispatch episode or anything like that because of its release. And so mm. it was like, maybe it's time. Maybe we should do yeah. a whole summer of just going through all the Wes Anderson movies and, like, ranking them and everything. And I think, like you said, we both are big fans of his movies. But, like, most filmographies, when you are like I watched them all out of order you know Mm -hmm. um I think Fantastic Mr. Fox was the first one I watched and then like I don't even remember what order I watched them in but I always thought it would be interesting and I always like wanted to watch it his filmography start to finish Uh because I think there is a lot of interesting things you can learn or like see about how his style develops and just all of that and so I've always wanted to do that and so this gives us a great opportunity to do that Um, and maybe get like a fresh ranking of his movies and that's I guess what I would kind of I'm kind of excited for I guess for the next four episodes for us to kind of be able to see um, how his movies progress and like kind of break down what we think why we think he went in certain directions um, and stuff like that I think that'll be really fun yeah, I already watched all his movies um, like two years ago I think Two or three, mm-hmm. like, recently enough. Um, and obviously he has some new ones coming out. And, like, right. French Dispatch just came out this past year. So I'm excited to kind of revisit each of the older ones and then kind of include mm. in the newer ones as, as they come out here. That's probably my main thing. I just... I use this as an excuse to watch what I want to watch instead of like that's that's really how how it goes over instead here. of yeah. us having to like keep I don't know like reviewing new movies and all that or doing Marvel right. content like it's fun to kind of just do something that is more like niche or something that just like we want to do niche Wes An- not Wes- that Wes Anderson niche, is niche but not but like something we want it's, it's not like fun, Star though. Wars you know it's not no, like yeah, we're exactly. doing some major yeah. blockbuster we're not doing the summer of the MCU like <laughs> kill me that would every every beginning of every month we talk about a whole phase Good imagine Lord. like 10 movies that'd be a nightmare I think I would I think that would end the podcast I wouldn't mind doing like revisit like in a while like revisiting Phase One like what rewatching all the OG ones and talking about those. But mm-hmm. for the now, L to I the think OG, I, the L to the OG ones. Yeah, y- yeah. Uh, I think no, I think that would be interesting. That definitely. this is definitely the better option for us to watch Wes Anderson's movies. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, and uh, we try. We're again. We're going through chronologically, and so we're. I tried at least to kind of find a good way to break all of them up because there are 10. And so that doesn't divide evenly into four. Um, But I think we came up with a good way of breaking them up. So this episode, we're just going to be going over Bottle Rocket and Rushmore, which is our first two films. And then you'll just have to see how we break up the next ones. You know, Mm. we don't want to give away everything. Let's just jump into it get into the goods and so just to give like a little brief history lesson all right everyone sit down 
Um, no talking. Um, so Wes Anderson, he was born on May 1st, 1969. Mm. 1969. <laughs> in Houston, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> ah, um, he used to make, uh, I found this, he like made silent films when with his dad's Super 8 camera using um, his friends and siblings as actors, which I think kind of maybe now you can see how he uses a lot of the same actors sure. in all of his movies. So maybe that kind of like was something. I mean, I know obviously if you're only going to use your friends and siblings if they're there, but I think it's interesting that like they mentioned that and that was like a thing where like he, he had the same cast and stuff like that. Um, so he went to school for philosophy. Wow. At, um, University of Texas at Austin. And he also worked as a film projectionist. Cool. Um, while he was there, which would have been a cool job. I think I would like that job. Um, you get to learn something fun times. And at school, that's where he met Owen Wilson. They met in 1989 at a playwriting class and then they were roommates and he graduated in 1991 and Owen Wilson, I don't think graduated. So classic. I mean, Owen no Wilson. shame. You look where it's like I it worked out. You know, it worked. I, it's just like an interesting origin because that leads right into Bottle Rocket, uh, both the short and the movie, which we will be getting into right after this ad break. back we just um just came from the ether and now we're talking about bottle Mm. rocket um and this is a little of a weird one because obviously it's the first movie and so there's a little bit more history behind it that would be interesting to talk about i thought so there's obviously the short which um was in 1992 is when the short came out and this though they had a whole script written for the movie but they only had enough money to film 13 minutes. But like, I don't think what I don't think they knew that when they went in. So like, they just started filming and then they ran out of film. I think is really what happened. And so they just had like the movie. Well, you've seen the short. Um, yeah. It goes up to like, does it do the bookstore heist? It does. It's like the after the bookstore heist. Like that's like the last scene. And so that's what they shot. And they got to that point. And then they it screened at Sundance in 1994. Now, just quickly, what? We can maybe talk too about it when we talk about the movie, but what are your thoughts on this the short itself? Because we watched both for this. Just I think it's interesting, obviously, to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely not amazing. I will say it is what it is. I guess would be my opinion. Like it's interesting to watch it and be like, oh yeah, this was kind of how he started and how he got Bottle Rocket off the ground, but it's not like amazing or innovative that you're watching it and being like oh my gosh Wes Anderson's like first like published short that was in Sundance like I'm not thinking that at all yeah I mean I do think there's a lot of style behind like there there is a lot more style than I would usually see in a short like that I would expect and I one thing I liked that you don't really see much anymore like he doesn't really use is jazz music Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was really interesting how he used a lot of jazz music, probably because it was cheaper to use than like s- soundtrack music, like by like the Rolling Stones and stuff, obviously. 
Um, so I thought that was interesting. And I also thought you can definitely see the French New Wave influence mm. like the most in that short. Yeah. Probably because like when you're first starting out, your influences are going to be less, um, more more noticeable and less like in- intertwined with your own kind of sensibility. So that was the two things that stuck out to me where like I thought the music was pretty cool. But and also I thought it was where you really saw like his the influence of like 400 blows and stuff like that where like you could really see that especially in the title cards and everything so now we move on to a little segment that i like to call nepotism time um which is a great segment whenever we you you never you gotta have it whenever you talk about someone's career um so the the wilson's they're family friends with veteran screenwriter and producer lm kit carson um and then he showed the short to polly platt and james l brooks who are two like very big producers she did like Paper Moon and Last Picture Show, I think. And then he did a ton of stuff. They saw it and like they kind of together funded the production for the movie. The script at this point, I think, was really long. And so they like gave them time to work on the script and refine it. So they've paid them $100 a day to refine the script. And they it was like almost a year and a half that they like spent rewriting the script, wow, which is so crazy. funny. I mean, not that the movie isn't. Like, there aren't good aspects for the movie, but it's funny, like, when you watch it to think, like, it took that long to, like, get what this script is. Um, and I think that's something you can only understand, like, if you're in it and you're, like, you know, like, when you're working on something mm-hmm. and it seems a lot more complicated than it actually is. So it's funny watching it now, like, wow, this took them, like, I mean, from 1991, which is, or, like, when they started it, like, five years to write this script, basically. Wow. So they they rewrote the script, then they shot the movie, mm, obviously. Of course. Um, you know, as you do. Um, in the short parts they reshot. I think they kind of thought they might be able to keep the short, but then they obviously didn't keep it in black and white and they made it in a wider um aspect ratio, so they didn't keep the short for um sure. since they reshot that. Um they had really bad test screenings oh. actually. Skipping to one of the fun facts, at the time, it was the worst test screening points in the history of Columbia Pictures. Wow. So it was very bad test screenings. Because of that, they kind of, they reshot out some stuff. They added and removed some stuff. I think they reshot and like rewrote the whole opening. Because I believe the opening, if anyone has seen the short, it kind of just goes right into it, you know, where they're just like talking and like mm-hmm. going to do the first heist. But then the movie, which I think is a better opening, opens with yeah. the whole um, him getting out of the hospital. And like, I think it's just like a lot. It sets the tone a lot well, better for sure. it establishes their relationship from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and then they released the movie to good reviews, but bad box office success. Mm-hmm. Classic. Love you know? to see it. It's always great when that happens, but it like it had did have good reviews. Like Martin Scorsese, I think from the beginning was like a big um, champion of this movie, and he like wrote about it um, like pretty f- recently after it came out. And I think it even made like his top ten movies of 1990. So like like it did have like really good reviews and like really good press. Um, it just isn't very marketable marketable movie, I think. So I can understand why it might have not done great i think what was the budget here i have it up um not five million dollars um can you did you look at the box office numbers i did not okay so five million budget how much do you think it made you said it bombed right pretty much yes um five million 
I would say maybe like seven fifty. Five sixty. Mm. Just just over half a million. Tough. Yeah. Tough uh tough beat for them. <sighs> um apparently it bought uh Owen Wilson thought about joining the Marines after oh, that. Because my. he thought he was such a bad actor and writer, he was like, I might as well join the Marines, I guess. I if that I guess that was the second that was plan B. It's a good thing he didn't do that. Because then we wouldn't have a lot of the movies that he's done, which yeah. are good. So just now we can just start talking about the real movie, though. Like, just our thoughts on it. Do you want to read the summary I have here? And for all of these, we're going to go spoilers. Sure. Just like, I mean, we're spoiling Bottle Rocket, guys. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. So no. I can't. So just, just getting that out of the way it. now. Um. No, I've been waiting. <laughs> After a stint at a voluntary psychiatric unit for exhaustion... Anthony gets roped into a complex 75-year plan mapped out by his enthusiastic best friend, Dignan. Included in the plan are a series of low-profile heists that will eventually lead them to getting in with mysterious crime boss, Mr. Henry. With the help of getaway driver Bob Mapplethorpe, the only person they know who has a car... They successfully rob a local bookstore and head to a remotely located motel to lay low and wait for word from Mr. Henry. However, tensions soon begin to arise among the group, with Bob and Anthony questioning how truthful Dignan is being. Will the three achieve their dreams and reach the status of infamous criminal masterminds, or will their 75-year plan ultimately fizzle out? Fizzle out in reference to bottle rockets and fireworks and uh, stuff look at that wow yeah so cool that so is fun amazing. You so should, you should become a screenwriter you know um if i could if they'll pay me a hundred dollars a day i would i would mm. definitely yeah um that's more money than i would make teaching so works for me um <laughs> so just our our thoughts on this movie we get to get into it now um definitely an interesting first movie when was the first was the first time you saw this like when you did that thing two years ago yeah let me look and see when that was because um, i feel like this is really only one that you watch not that it's like not good but like it's one that people usually only watch when they're like into wes anderson you know no one watches it and is like oh i didn't know that was by him yeah i watched it for the first time in june of 2019 okay that's probably right around when i watched it as well that same kind of year time yeah yeah yeah, and I only watched it, yeah, because I was watching through his filmography. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like, I probably never would have watched it for any reason. Yeah, I mean, you might. I mean, if you hadn't known the plot, I think you might have if you knew it, there was heists involved. Because I don't think when Maybe. you watch when you watch the movie, I think it definitely doesn't really deliver on the heist thing. Oh, but, definitely not. Unfortunately, like, if you had read the word heist you might have watched it i, think. I might and, have yeah and, you're yeah. not wrong so <laughs> i i know you know you might have gotten roped in by that by the the, the keywords so what what do you think about this movie what are your thoughts on it here um i don't really like it yeah i i didn't really even want to have to rewatch it Damn. but i did anyway Bummer. just because it's been a few years since i've seen it it just is not my thing I don't really like the characters and the plot isn't as interesting to me as like other movies. So Mm. it's not one that I tend to think like, oh yeah, I'm going to revisit this movie, Bottle Rocket, my favorite. 
So I would say that this is like the bottom of my list of Wes Anderson movies. Well, definitely right now, out of the two we'll be talking about, I will say definitely at the bottom. Huh? Yeah, uh, I like. I don't know. I think that when I rewatched it uh, this past week, I definitely like. There were parts in it that I I did like. Um, mm. I I think specifically it looks really good, uh, despite it not having like a signature Wes Anderson symmetrical like style to it like I felt like it still really established a specific style of cinematography like it wasn't just completely cheap and trying to go like a blockbuster or whatever like I felt Mm -hmm. like it actually looked um stylized to an extent uh and in the colorization of it was also uh, pretty spot on with some of his other um, like films in his earlier years, especially of like the way certain colors pop or having a character wear certain colors or the color grading of it being like slightly more like orangey in the highlights and stuff or like pinky. Um, and so I think that there's parts of it that I was like, oh, OK, like this isn't that bad, but I just don't like the story or the characters, and so I think that makes it harder for me to even appreciate the technical elements, since I don't like it as a whole, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I agree with the technical stuff, because, I mean, it's only five million, so there's only so much they can do, and I don't even know, like, it's a uh, his first time directing, like, a a movie, Um, so there's definitely going to be, like, not everything in place. I think you're, like, the color is definitely the thing that stands out the most to me um, because like, even if it's not like a grand Budapest hotel color palette, like everything is like this, these one of these five colors, like you can still tell there's a big attention to color. Mm -hmm. um, Even in like the yellow jumpsuit detail, like details like that, where like they don't seem like they would be important, but I think they do make a big difference in like giving everything personality and like making certain scenes stand out. So I think, yeah, it's like there are elements, but there's not. It, we'll talk more with Rushmore. I think there's a lot more in that movie where, like, a lot of elements there that's like, oh, okay, that's obviously where this came from, you know? But in terms of the story, I think, like, like you said, there are a lot of. There are good moments. Um, I think, like, even, like, the first act and the last act are, like, not bad. I think it really. The issue comes in the second act. Um, the whole motel thing, um, and like the romance subplot, I think really like yeah. drag it down, and it really like messes with the pacing too. Because once he gets back, then it's like the it's a lot faster paced again. Because it's pretty fast paced in the beginning, and it's a mm-hmm. nice quick pace, and then everything like comes to a halt at the motel, and it's like so and it's so slow. Um, and then he leaves and then it's pretty fast paced again. So it's just the structure of it, I think definitely throws me off a little bit. I think if it were maybe just more focused on the three of them, just like doing heists and like, if, even if it was just more of like that bookstore heist, but like, I don't know. I just don't think it really needed the romance subplot and like them staying in this one motel, I think really kills it. Cause like, I do not mind the characters. I think they're not his best, but. I think they have good character dynamics at least. So it's interesting to see them interact. 
Um, and so maybe if it was just more focus on them and not just like them sitting around at this motel, like waiting for Mr. Henry to call them or something. Mm -hmm. So, cause I do, I really like the ending is I think actually pretty good. Um, and like the final heist is so funny. I really like the final heist and I do think like the ending is nice. So there, like, there are aspects of it that I do like, but I think it being so up and down plot wise definitely kills a lot of the rewatchability. Hmm. Um, and I, I think it's like, I would kind of say, I don't know how much I would like this movie if it wasn't for like thinking about it in terms of like where it came from. Cause I do think the history behind it is interesting. And also that it's like his first movie, you know? So I don't know how much of the stuff that I like comes from just like, it's interesting to see the beginnings of a career in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and and also like early, like not early, like mid nineties indie movie culture. I think it's just an interesting thing of that too, like responding to a lot of the early nineties stuff. Um, But the movie itself is just like, eh, it's there's parts I like and there's parts I don't really like. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely very mid. Um, I would say yeah. a little lower than mid. Like it's not quite mid. I do mid. think Owen Wilson is like surprisingly good though. For never like he'd never acted before this. This mm. was like his first. I think like it's really crazy that I to me that he never acted before because I do think he like steals every scene that he's in. Yeah, um, I would agree. Like he just has like a lot of just like like he plays to the camera really well i think like in a way that's not obvious too where it's not like he just seems like he's just acting natural but there's something about him that like really pulls you to want to like look at him in every scene and like listen to like everything he says um i do think he's digna pretty funny uh, and whenever whenever i watch this um mm. i think dignan is like jake paul like in yeah, some yeah. scenes, <laughs> like the well, way with he the, acts with the bike, with too, the bike like... when he's like riding around on the bike, I'm like, oh my god, it's Jake Paul, and like even all the way like he talks and acts, I'm like, mm. this like maybe Jake Paul watched this movie one day and was like, this <laughs> is how I I want to be like Dignan, and that was what yeah. he did. Definitely, I think that would. be And Luke very Wilson likely. could could be like Logan Paul. Not gonna lie. Yeah, like, a little a little more chill. Yeah. Um, but definitely he's got some stuff going on that's like, mm, I don't know, a little, 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 little weird. Yeah. And then Bob Maplethorpe is like just anyone from Team 10, I guess, mm. you know? Sure. One of them. <laughs> and then they make like a video afterwards, like really mad at him. <laughs> why oh, he is no longer in our group, not clickbait. <laughs> and then he makes the video, why I left Team 10. Why, why I left... I le- uh, the heist but, team, the, not Mr. Clickbait. Henry's landscape group. I think one thing that's interesting to talk about with this movie, which isn't really about the movie itself, but I do think it shows a lot how like like privilege can really come into play with like a movie like this because yes. if anyone else had made this movie, um, anyone else being like any like any minority, it would they would have never made another movie again. I mean, sure. I'm not saying it's not because this movie isn't good. And I'm also not saying, like, they shouldn't have been able to make another movie. I think everyone should be given this opportunity because expecting someone to make a masterpiece with their first movie or at first anything 
is is like one in a thousand chance you know and so but like the amount of freedom they got in making this movie and then this to be able to go two years later and make another movie um is wild to me like the fact that yeah they even made after anything it, like, again bombed that bad uh, it lost 4.5 million dollars like... after they like spent four years making it yeah and they still are like oh yeah go ahead yeah well, and you movie, think guys... like uh, how much money i guess like if they made it for a year and a half then they would have made each what it's thir- like 37 thir- almost thirty-seven thousand, but then plus yeah. half a year so close to what like fifty thousand or more yeah and each, so you think a hundred thousand yeah. already went into it from the beginning uh just that like <laughs> it just that uh, yeah you're t- it doesn't happen to other people who aren't yeah. like already connected to someone in the industry like that well and, and i don't think a lot of times movies get made anymore by people like this where it's like they just find someone and they just make a movie and see what happens. It usually is like you have to work in the system for a long time uh-huh. till like you're aff- awarded. Like they allow you to make something. I think just an interesting capsule of the time. Because like I said, it too was like 1996, like in the height of Sundance and everything. Um, and I don't think really film festivals are as interested in that anymore because movies are more expensive and not as many people see them so that they're less willing to take chances. But like if no one had ever taken a chance on this, then we would have never had anything else like mm. of any of the other movies we're talking about. So, point. you know, who knows what movies we've missed out on because people weren't like just like a little patient and letting people develop their skills. Mm. The other thing I thought was interesting to bring up that you see in this movie um and in Rushmore, but like it's interesting because it's like I think a thing that we'll probably keep bringing up is like the subtle either like the subtle using racism as humor kind of thing mm. or just like racism in general. And it's not like overt racism, but I think that's kind of what a lot of people have an issue with some of his movies or many of his movies is like the lack of self-awareness in some of the aspects of it. Um, and I'm not saying like none of it should be in there, but I do think it's like interesting to, that it's like it was right there from the beginning where like I think a lot of the people of color in the movie all the joke is that like they are like they use like their ethnicity as like the joke, I guess sometimes. Yeah. Um, or like the only uh, besides the two guys in the heist, I think the only other like person of color really is like a waiter at the country club, which is like probably truthful for texas but it's just interesting i think well the people at the motel right yeah the i just blocked the motel out from my brain i think yeah there's the motel well because there's that (laughs) whole scene at the motel that's like him translating for the girl or whatever yeah that's right yeah i do i did forget about that scene you're right i'm i apologize i did forget about that scene i and i thought that scene was weird when i was watching it that scene is "Mm, a little weird um love this yeah and i think it's like and like i said it's not that none of it should be in there you know like i'm not trying to say like oh you should never do any of this but i do think it like is a sign of maybe things to come more um Mm -hmm. and like some of the things that they find funny that are just like i mean and sometimes they are and sometimes it's like "Mm, i don't know just seems a little more ignorant i guess would be a a good yeah and not in like those are the only roles you're casting people in yeah 
Exactly. Like if you're only casting someone in that role and then you are making those jokes, it's like, hmm, maybe you should have a second look-see at like <laughs> why you're writing this and maybe yeah. like cast some other people in your supporting or leading roles that aren't just like the stereotypes, I guess, or mm-hmm. the like more uh, roles that are only specific, like how a white person would view a certain culture, I guess. Right, exactly. And I I think this movie probably more than a lot of it has the biggest pass because it is set in the real world, but most of his other movies are not set in like any specific like actual reality. So I think as it goes, it gets more obvious too, where it's like, because like, you know, it's like Texas, like it's like, obviously there's going to be in this area that these guys are hanging out in just more white people. But as his career goes on and it's like less about that where people are and it's like he's just making up a world, I think it gets a little more obvious. Yeah. And we'll talk about that when we talk about our. We'll go into our next movie, Rushmore, which I, does take place in real life, but also not like yeah. I don't think it really does. Um, they don't even I think they said like it doesn't really take place in reality. So I would take their word for it. Hmm. Um, yeah. But do you have anything else to say about um, Bottle Rocket? Before no. You move? Definitely not. Cool. I have one more thing just to say that when Anthony shows Dignan in his sketchbook, like when they're staking out, that is the first time on film that Owen Wilson says, wow. So hmm. it, it fir- that's the first time that we heard him. That is fun. And it's his first movie. So and just interesting little, little tidbits that just carried on throughout hmm. his career. Uh, just last thing. Um, though it's not going to really be very much in this in Bottle Rocket because there's not really any other big needle drops besides 2000 Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think it'd be fun if we like just like named our favorite needle drop after we talk about every movie. But again, like I don't really know. Yeah, I don't have if one any for more other ones. Bottle Rocket. Like 2000 Man, I think is a good needle drop, but that's like the only one. So I guess that would be my answer. Uh, but I just want to like say it so then everyone can expect it because Rushmore, as we'll talk about now, has a lot of good needle drops. So it does. Um, we'll we'll that we'll have to. It'd be harder to pick for that one. But yeah, um, this movie yeah came out uh two years after, almost three years because December eleventh, nineteen ninety eight. So they had um it was like a good amount of turnaround, I guess, like a deep like pretty standard. I believe this. I mean. I believe the script was written after, but I think this idea actually they had because Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson wrote this together again because they did their first few movies written together. Um, I think they had this idea before Bottle Rocket because hmm. it was based on experiences they both had going to private and public schools because um, so they both went to private. It's a little confusing. So Wes Anderson went to St. John's. They're both grew in Texas, different private schools, though. He went to St. John's um, Preparatory School, and um, that's where they actually shot Rushmore. So, like, the school he went to is where they shot it. And then Owen Wilson went, went to a school called St. Mark's, but he, like Max, was kicked out and sent to a public school. So they kind of, like, used a lot of their experiences there, I think, and, like, came up with this idea, mm-hmm. which um, is fun. Yeah, I mean, because, like, especially, I guess, when you're meeting people, you pro- like you talk about what what schools you went to and like stuff and so they probably both realized oh we had very similar experiences in school and we both like lived in the same state so they had probably shared experiences in that a lot of different things and this just grew naturally i think they said too they wanted to make like a raw doll kind of inspired story 
because it's like partially fictionalized i guess like it feels more fairy tale-esque but also set in the real world um which you know i think is cool i think it'd be cool if we got more movies like that um because roald dahl's great great author i would agree um but do you want to get into this summary here yeah you want me to read it sure yeah i mean it's not as fun because i wrote them so it's more fun if you read them also this is not a great summary because this is a very hard movie to summarize i gotta say it's very hard all right here we go 15 year old max fisher is an ambitious scholarship student studying at rushmore academy where he runs most of the extracurricular clubs and writes plays for his classmates to star in unfortunately the time spent on these things is time away from his studies and at the start of the term it's revealed that if he fails one more class he will be expelled however max's attempt to get his grades back up are soon derailed by a newfound obsession miss cross a newly widowed first grade teacher at rushmore as time goes on max's pursuit of miss cross not only begins to jeopardize his status as a rushmore student but also his friendship with mr bloom the father of two of max's classmates will max win the girl woman of his dreams or will his ambition land him in detention that last line is not really accurate because the end detention thing like i mean he leaves the school halfway through the movie but i just you gotta have a catchy hook yeah. you know yeah, 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 yeah. And detention school yeah this movie was definitely more successful it had a bigger budget again they lost 4.5 million and then they doubled their budget on their next movie crazy um i don't understand the logic of the executives and i do think they had to i don't remember the studios but i think they had to switch studios because they couldn't like agree on a budget with another studio so Hmm. they went to a different one i guess i don't know um but the budget was nine to ten million and this made 17.1 to 19.1 million so it didn't make its money back and also the money bottle rocket lost so it all came out at the end even though this was a different studio than bottle rocket was made under um yeah i do think like even if even though they are obviously talented if this movie had failed they definitely would not have made another movie Mm -hmm. um just because like it doesn't matter how much privilege you have two movie two flops (laughs) not not happening sorry guys but thankfully it did well um when did you watch this movie first um at the same time it mm-hmm. was when I was, like, um, watching through. So uh, probably that same, let me see how soon after I watched. Shout out to Letterboxd. Um, yeah, June, June 22nd, 2019. So I watched it before I watched Bottle Rocket, I guess. But I watched okay. it in within a couple days of each other. Right, yeah. I would. I mean, I think I definitely also watched it when I watched Bottle Rocket. I don't know which one I watched first, but it was also in that time. So... Neither of this one is one that we grew up with, I guess, is, like, what's important to establish. Because that will be important when we get to other ones, you know, mm-hmm. um, relationships with them. But, like, both of these movies we don't have, like, nostalgic relationships with. Because um, I think this one you could. Like, there could be people, I think, that watch this when they were, like, a teenager or younger. And, like, it really informed what they like now. Um, especially because it's so different than other stuff that you might be seeing. So, yeah. Um... What are your thoughts on Rushmore? Not the not the like the monument. Mm, I not not 
definitely yeah. have a We're lot do- of thoughts about, about that. Definitely not reviewing Rushmore, the National Monument. We are reviewing bad. the movie. Bad. That is the review for the monument. Very, very bad. Zero stars. Um, no, this movie, I don't know. I would say this is also pretty mid for me. Uh, I definitely think there's a lot of cool things about it. Uh, the soundtrack's good. The score is good. I think mm. we're now starting to see how stylized Wes can be. I wouldn't say mm. this is like, you know, particularly like stylized as he goes down the road, like as stylized. But I do yeah. think it's showing that like he has a very specific knack for a specific filmmaking style, both in the way that the like art is art direction is within the film. Um, the way it's shot, the way the characters dress, and, like, having the characters be sort of, like, caricatures of mm. a certain type of person. And I think that those are all, like, here. And I, I wouldn't say they're super prominent yet, but I do think that, like, when you look at it, you can see how he was beginning to, like, start yeah. implementing these kind of things in his movies or testing right. out the waters to implement them. Um, and so I appreciate stuff like that. I just don't vibe with the story, um, unfortunately, even if I would like to. I just don't. And so I think that kind of makes it a little more mid for me. But I don't, like, dislike this movie. But it definitely, like, is not one that I, like, try to revisit or think about revisiting ever. Yeah, uh, on on the character thing, too, like, I definitely think way more than bottle rocket because i think you could see it a little in the high stuff but this one is really like ensemble driven even though it does have like the two very strong i guess maybe you could argue three like prominent leads there are just so many like background characters where like they'll just like maybe not even say their name but i did watch the commentary for both these movies um and they were like talking about people like saying their names that like characters in the background that I don't think they ever named in the movie. Mm. Um, so it's like you can definitely see like his interest in creating like a world, you know, in like a like a lot of different characters that kind of exist in this one space more than Bottle Rocket, which I think is more like a quote unquote traditional narrative, you know. Sure. Um, so that's one thing you can definitely see, and I do think there's a lot of cool stylistic stuff like the curtains with every season um i think is really uh, like something that's like different um apparently they projected that too like i thought that it was in post but like they projected the names of the seat of the months onto the curtain like and then they like stopped the projection when they moved the curtain just like cool stuff like that where like they built a curtain to do that is just fun things because i think you expect like his movies when you because of like grand budapest to have like huge production value stuff like that but mm-hmm. it is probably a like, pretty practical like just like a little curtain that they have like two guys just like one on each side kind of pull back and like project the month on there yeah and obviously like the dialogue here is much more refined i guess in terms of both him and owen wilson's style because i think his dialogue is different when owen wilson's not writing with him yeah um but i think like you can really see their dialogue start to shine here more than bottle rocket. Cause you have a couple of those interesting interactions, but there's like so many funny, like little quips and moments here um, that 
are just like really help make everything. I do really like this movie. This is like one of my favorites of his. I definitely think it like is, I don't know. Like if def- it doesn't feel as happy, I guess, as some of his other movies are like bright maybe is a good word for it. Cause there is a lot of like depressing stuff in the movie, but it's interesting how he kind of turns it around to like a bittersweet kind of like um, positive feeling at the end. It's just like an interesting feeling that none of his other movies really have where he does have a lot of, and I think that is in Royal Tenenbaums too. Um, I think that's because of Owen Wilson. Um, the writing, there's a lot more, there's like a different element in there that's like a little bit more raw emotion and not as like painted over, mm-hmm. I guess. You know what I'm, it's a weird way I'm trying to phrase it, but I do think there's like a different thing in here that you don't see in his later movies. So yeah, I do really like it. I think it like the Bill Murray and Jason having both of them, Bill Murray and Jason Schwartzman, I think really works. I think if they're not in this movie, then it would be not very good at all because you have to like believe the characters. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Bill Murray, he liked the script so much that he was gonna. He said he would do it for free, but then he did it for scale, and so they paid him nine thousand hmm. dollars around there for this movie, which is pretty crazy. Um, and this was Jason Schwartzman's first acting role ever. Um, wow. He was 17. And they did like, they auditioned 1,800 teenagers. Wow. Um, that is, that's a lot. Which is crazy. Especially and back for like to a the... small film. Like just right. the fact that they like auditioned that many kids is so wild to me. Mm. And then in the end, nepotism won out again ah. because it's Jason Schwartzman. And I am I do think, though, like, he's really good in this movie. Like, I'm not saying that he yeah. shouldn't have got the part because I think, like, he apparently went to the audition, like, wearing a blazer and a Rushmore patch that he made, which is, I think, one of those things where, like, that's just, like, what Max would do. And so you kind of just see that in the actor and know that that's in them. Um, that was a very good idea by him because I think that probably – was a big a big win um because as we know like he like they like a lot of those details um in their movies so i think that's cool yeah definitely you said you don't really like the story as much what is like the parts of the story that maybe you don't or like that you maybe you don't like here that you like but you like his other stories better because like obviously the movies we'll talk about later in the series you do like a lot more um i don't know I haven't thought about it. I mean, because it's really, like, um, kind of complex with the three of them because you have um, Bill Murray and uh, Max, and then you have Miss Cross. What's Bill Murray's character's name? I need, actually, his character. Mr. Bloom. That guy, yes. Um, And so I think their dynamic is interesting where it's, like, they're basically all, like, um versions of each other you know sure or max and mr bloom are versions of like her husband um so like all those things intertwining i think it just depends on like how it grooves with you and how you feel like it melts to the story because it is like even though it is pretty straightforward and like the in not in it's not metaphorical i guess on face value but i do think there is a lot of that metaphor under there and so sometimes I think like not everyone likes that or like it can feel weird. Um, but I do think I personally think that's like really interesting in like how you can see like 
aspects of them and each other and then the fact that her husband went to Rushmore and was like the president of the Beco. Like there's just a lot of connections there that I think it's that's kind of like a really big theme of the movie that I really like that I don't think I even picked up the first time because like the husband thing doesn't feel as important I don't think the yeah. first time it's just like oh she's a widow because they need her not to be married for her for them to date her you know what I'm saying right but it is I think pretty important and with his mom too because you know you got to have the <laughs> dead mom because then it's the surrogate mother so it's like that sure, aspect in sure. there too and then Bill Murray's midlife crisis even though he looks a little later than midlife I would say like yeah I, yeah five-eighths life crisis maybe yeah he definitely you know? looks a little older <laughs> um three-fourths life crisis but yeah there's a lot of that kind of going on which again is like i said the the like darker or like more complex themes that i think some people don't think work as well with wes anderson style and then are not in his later films because he's writing either with him by himself or usually with like noah Baumbach or um roman coppola i think mm -hmm. this is other the writer writing partner so I think, like I said, that's really comes from Owen Wilson's input, probably, is what my theory is. Because mm, I think course. in those, it's just like interesting that like those themes in that way are not in later movies of his. Yeah. Or he just changed as a person. Right. Yeah. That too. You know, because he's definitely pretty young here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just having like different phases of life and what you tend to write about in like certain phases. Mm. Right. Yeah. And like how you have like different um thoughts on like death and like relationships i guess it's just interesting um because you can definitely tell there's like a lot more raw emotion like i said in this one which kind of comes with when you're younger i guess you know that's what you're feeling more you know, mm -hmm. when you get older it softens a yeah. bit yeah you said the soundtrack i do think both the soundtrack and the score like you said are very good um the score is mark mothersbaugh who did all of his like early movies mm -hmm. even bottle rocket he did we didn't mention that but i love the soundtrack like and that's another thing where you can immediately see it from going from bottle rocket like that aspect of having a lot of different needle drops is immediately in this movie you know yeah and he has more money to do them obviously mm -hmm. like once he has a bigger budget he can get songs that he wants right exactly because i did see like I think I saw a sheet that he wrote of songs he wanted in Bottle Rocket, and they only got, like, one of them, and there was, like, 20 on there. Uh -huh. So it's, like, it, it definitely was something he wanted to do, like you said, but it's, like, once you get the money to do it, then then you're going to do it. Apparently, it was originally going to be only songs by the Kinks, and then hmm. now there's only one Kinks song in the movie. That and I think that's good. Fun, I think but I, do, I think I like the cat stevens like the quieter stuff and then the john lennon you know like i do think that it's nice having the variety in there rather than just the king songs i might have gotten old but it's an interesting idea definitely mm -hmm. it'd be interesting to go through because the kinks have like so like 30 something albums so, so many i'm not albums. gonna do this but it'd be interesting for someone that really knows them to go through and like think what songs could use be used where like what would be good for the opening montage you know sure um that'd be interesting i would i would like to see that like rushmore re-edited to just kinks songs <laughs> that would be, be funny fun. yeah i like the kinks yeah and this needle drop that they use for their their song they use here is really good mm -hmm. um with him in the pool there's a lot of good scenes here um and good characters and good lines it's funny i'm trying to think which one is my favorite um 
out of like all the needle drops because there obviously there's some pretty good ones. Oh yeah, right. Um, yeah. Probably one of the Cat Stevens ones mm-hmm. would be my favorite. Yeah, because there's the one the mon the one at the montage where it's like the three of them are like getting along. I forget what that here comes my baby. That's what that one's called. Yeah, I think I like the one at the end. Yeah, the the softer one. Yeah, when the wind blows. Yeah, one or when something. they're flying the kite. Yeah, that's a great scene too. I love. Yeah, I like that, that scene, scene a lot actually. I think Max is one of his best characters personally, because mm. I don't think you see a lot of character arcs in his later movies, um, in the same like way as this kind of character arc where it is like a very traditional like, you start off. Like, he grows over the movie, I guess. Like, yeah. basic, like, character development. Um, and I do really like that scene. I think it does a lot in, like, a little amount of time to really endear you to his character more. Um, yeah. Well, I think in his other movies, like, he has so many side characters. And, like, I think right. in this one and in Bottle Rocket, he doesn't have those side characters as much. Or, like, right. there's not as many actual supporting actors that are in a lot of the movie. Like, it's just mm. kind of the main couple um, characters in this one, which I think definitely, like, benefits the character development of all three of the main characters. Right, yeah. Like, there are, like, the on the characters in the background that are funny. Like, the Irish kid or Dirk is, I guess, a bigger side character. But they're not – there's no, like, um, emotional investment in a lot of them. Right. It's more just, like, their comedic relief um the boyfriend at the dinner i love the dinner scene it's so funny um luke wilson like it's funny that well it's funny that um he got such a small role in this and owen wilson's not even in it yeah um like it's funny maybe they were just kind of like tired of acting owen wilson is actually in it because he's in the pictures in mrs cross miss cross's room of mm. the husband that's of the husband in the yeah. pictures so he's technically in it but um, not but acting not really. in it yeah he's not He's not acting. He's, He's not, not acting. acting. In the movie. Um, I no, do love no Luke acting. Wilson though. Yeah, I do too. I we'll talk a lot about him. I think um next episode when yeah. we talk about Royal Tenenbaums because he's really good in that one. Um, my favorite needle drop. Uh, I love so many of them. I love the opening one because that's like such an adrenaline rush, and I love. I don't know. It's just so cool. Um, I think that's like that cut for me is when. At least I think like his style is evident. Like from then on in his whole filmography, the cut from the cut to the creation song mm. in the opening credits. That's like when I'm like, okay, he's here. That's like I love that part. Um, and I like the O Yoko needle drop mostly because they just like that song a lot. Um, I think it's a really great song. But my favorite one's probably Ooh La La at the end. Mm. I think because that one. The, th- the lyrics really tie it together. And also, I just really like the ending and how everything kind of comes together. I love the... You have everyone at the play. That's a classic Wes Anderson thing, like bringing everyone together, the whole ensemble. Yeah. Um, like panning through the audience. And then you have the big play, which, wow, a lot, lot of stuff going on that play. Yes. And then... <laughs> But then the, the party at the end, and I just love how it goes slow motion and then that song. like And like I said, the lyrics, I think, really kind of match a lot of the themes that they're trying to tackle and it's just a great song too i mean if it has to be a good song to be a good needle drop it doesn't matter how good the placement is but i would say that's my favorite because it's like a great song and i really like what it's doing for the movie and how it kind of like then leads out to the credits 
and it's like it's like such a heartwarming moment too i love that song Hmm. but i like so many of them like there's not really one i don't like i don't think like every time there's a needle drop like yeah this is a good one this is this works for this this scene yeah definitely a lot of great uh choices there he clearly has some good uh playlists on his spotify drop the spotify please i would love to go through um i do think uh not i do think i i know that he had a lot of the songs picked out too before they filmed so like during that opening montage they played that song which i don't know if that like always makes a difference but it's i think it maybe it could have you know like if they had that song playing at ooh la la playing at the end Mm. while they were filming that might have kind of like subconsciously infused what that song feels like into the scene interesting to think about because sometimes they just pick songs afterwards like oh yeah this will sound cool but his songs are always i think feel very like oh he thought of this song when he wrote the script like this is like i don't know it wasn't just like he went through a spotify and was like this song will sound cool here all right cool song which is probably what i would do because i would just be like trying a bunch oh, of different this songs one like, worked oh, man, uh, this song is like, awesome shuffle through the playlist <laughs> skip 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 oh this one sounds good let's do it <laughs> yeah and it would be just not good not as good um just I also all just, your like, don't... favorite songs <laughs> like... yeah it's just like i show up i i post my spotify wrapped and like the five songs that are there are, like the five songs that are in the movie i made pretty much that would be funny so anything else like any other thoughts on this movie maybe you had um, um we could talk about like i don't think there's really as much of the like the racism aspect because it's a lot more of the same stuff with bottle rocket than sure. i think we'll see in his later movies but i mean it's still there a little bit yeah sure. yeah i mean I, I mean in kumar i love kumar like i love how they use him too in mm-hmm. like all of the early movies i think he's a really funny actor and i love his line deliveries here uh and in bottle rocket when he's like i don't think i lost my touch man i don't know and he's like <laughs> did you ever have a touch to lose <laughs> it's very funny <laughs> it's a very funny oh we didn't even yeah. talk about brian cox being in this wow the og himself yeah which is so funny because the first time i watched this i wasn't watching succession then Uh, and obviously have since watched succession and so anything else he's in i'm like oh my gosh logan Logan roy Roy. (laughs) and here he is and he's he's so funny in this too no, I yeah, I think he plays the headmaster role very well, and I also like the scene in the hospital when he like opens the eye, uh-huh. and at the play when he's like flip the page, flip the page. Okay, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a funny actor, and he's he's actually very similar to Logan. It's like a softer Logan Roy. I think. Yeah, I mean, movie. he's not cussing and being like right. He's a school teacher. He's a school headmaster. He's got to yeah, be a little tamer. But, you know? Well, and he's tired of this kid. My God. If this kid were, like, in my school, I would be <laughs> like, he needs to go. <laughs> hey, if he has to stay on for a uh, postgraduate year, so be it. Mm. You know? We don't offer a postgraduate year. We don't offer one yet. To end our talk on Rushmore, I have a little bit of a hypothetical I'm going to pitch to mm. you. Okay. So... You you're go you're a Rushmore student. Great. Um and Max Fisher comes up to you and he needs your help. And because of his poor grades, Headmaster Guggenheim said he needed to cut down on his extracurriculars and get his friend to take over some of his duties. Oh boy. So I have a list of all of his extracurriculars here. Oh, and you my. have to tell me okay. which one you would take. You know, you have to take one. 
Okay. So we have one. the Yankee Review editor in chief, which I think already is a good start. You know, sure. that's not a bad one. The French club president. Um, no, I don't speak French. Do you speak French? I do. I took French. I oh. mean, not not a lot. I did take two years okay. of French in high school, though. All right. Um, Model UN Russia. That's no, going to be a I no for me. That. That's a n- <laughs> um, stamp and coin club vice president. Um, that's not definitely really a hard no. Into that debate team, I don't have the I don't have the personality for that. I could I could do debate team maybe. The captain of the debate team though, he would mm, be captain. No. The leader, not the follower. Um, man, you manager of the lacrosse team. No. I don't know how to play lacrosse. Soccer, I could do, but president of the calligraphy club. Hmm. That sounds like something I would do. If I could do it, I would like it. Um, I definitely wouldn't be interested in the Astronomy Society. Oh, I would totally do that. Oh, okay. So you want to maybe help run the Astronomy Society, potentially? I love space. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fencing team? N- no. no. Track and field? No. I don't. Definitely not. I don't do that. Choir master? I could do this. You could. Um, I could And also, not. He, he wasn't conducting. I could do better than him. Because I don't know what he was doing over there. He was just waving his arms around. Um, Kung Fu Club. I'm not a yellow belt either. No, yeah. So. Trap and Skeet Club. That's going to be a no that's for me. That's a hard no. Anti-guns. <laughs> Abolish all guns. <laughs> um, Rushmore Beekeepers. Another hard no. Not a fan of bees. Uh, that sounds kind of fun, but I think that I would take the L on that one. So I'm going to say <laughs> no. Uh, do you want to be part of the Yankee Racers? Um... You know, I don't think not, so. Not the worst I don't one, think it's but... the worst on the list, but I think it would be just too mm. I, like just yeah, right. uh, too much work. Uh for this one, I would like to be in the Max Fisher players like a cast member. Mm. I would not want to be the director though. Well, those plays are absurd. Like Yeah, they're a lot of work. You know, I've done my stint in a drama club. <laughs> I was a theater kid at one point. And yep. I just don't need that in my life. So I'm right. going to take a, a no on that. All right. And lastly, do you want to be part of the Kite Flying Society? Mm, that does sound relaxing. Like. Yeah. I don't. I wouldn't say no. I would. I'm still going to go for Choir Master because I think okay. that's the one I would be most confident in. Like I could be in the Kite Flying Society, but if I was like leading it, I don't think I know enough about kites to do Yeah, that. I think my issue with a lot of these is like, I don't want to be in charge. Like, right. like Yankee yeah. Review, if I were just a writer for the school newspaper, great. Photographer, well, great. I think the lacrosse team, he's not coaching it. He's just like cleaning, getting the gear, oh, getting the water. Oh, that's terrible. You don't want to be a team manager for sports team. Well, I'm just saying if you could do it, I don't know. Do you, I would I do the Astronomy Society if if yeah, I yeah because all it says is that he's the founder yeah, so I don't think it means I, you have to like I run like it. stars I look like looking through <laughs> telescopes um, I like stars so I, I mean what else I don't know what all yeah. you would do in an Astronomy Society but I assume it would be about like planets and stars right I would assume those would be two highly debated topics yeah uh, is Pluto a planet yes. He is. Every every week is actually that's their debate. Pluto, and then they, they them of the day. <laughs> then they <laughs> pair with the they they collab with the, the debate team ah, on that one. Sure. Yeah, but just going into our final thoughts here on his first two movies, what are you feeling with these first two? Because like 
early movies are you feeling like um good about where if you if what about this if you had only seen these two and didn't know the rest of his career you know like what would you feel like about him i wouldn't like him I would probably wow. this this is gonna sound like I I think I would consider him. Um, I know a lot of people consider both of these guys on the same plane. I do not, but with the early movies, I would consider him the same as Noah Baumbach, who I oh yeah, but you don't like Noah I Baumbach, do not. so it's a different so it's a different, different thing for you. Um, I I really don't like Noah Baumbach. He's like one of my least favorite directors and writers. Uh, I have not enjoyed basically all of his movies. At- hey, he wrote Life Aquatic, so we'll see. Yeah, which is interesting because I like Life Aquatic. He also um, wrote Madagascar Three, Europe's Most Wanted, though. So <laughs> you got some duds in there too. But but I feel like these first two do feel similar to Noah Baumbach movies, mm. um, and I feel like that would be my general like comparison. And that like yeah. I just don't know that I would be keen to watch more of his movies after watching Mm. just the first two like if i had watched them i would be like man this guy's like a dick he is like not good at writing he writes dumb characters who are just mean but like i think fisher is nice at the end well but you know what i mean he's 15 uh, i I mean i I think max is a good character but if this was um, all you watched without knowing wes anderson and his writing style and how he writes stories through all his other movies then you Mm -hmm. only watch this and you're like this kid is annoying this movie is annoying Mm -hmm. um and so Uh, uh, yeah i think that would be my like i i wouldn't watch any of his other movies after just watching these two Except then Royal Tenenbaums comes out and then everyone loves it and then you go see it I, and then yeah I don't really like that one as much either I'm wow, sorry that's a that's a real L um I would love I would be in I mean Bottle Rocket I don't know about that like that one I think is a very obviously like a first feature kind of thing obviously all, a very few people saw it so I might not have even have saw it in the theater um so I think most people probably were introduced to him from Disrushmore um of the two. Uh, I I would be very into. Him. I mean, I love Rushmore, so it's not a surprise. I do think Noah Baumbach is a good comparison. I don't know which he's made kicking and screaming at this point. I think maybe just only that. Yeah, which if, feels similar. Uh, yeah, definitely. I do think though. I think the writing style in these two movies is a lot less cynical than Noah Baumbach's writing style. I would agree. I think Noah, like his outlook on the world is, and I like Noah Baumbach's movies. Some of them. Um, uh, but his like overall outlook in like a lot of his movies is a lot like more bleak because he's also writing more adult characters. Because even in Bottle Rocket, I would argue that they're not really adult characters. Dignan is basically like on the same playing field as Max mentally. Yes. Um, yeah. Like as like emotionally, like as a per as a person. Um, and so I think that what my impression would be is that his characters were pretty like an interesting i don't know just more interesting than i think other characters are in my opinion and i do think he's actually in a lot of his movies after like an interesting version of masculinity which i think we can talk about as his Mm, movies go on where like there's just he has a very specific view of the of like his own masculinity i think and that comes through in all of his characters um, which I think Noah Baumbach also has a specific view of his masculinity, but it's not one that I like as much. No, definitely um, not. <laughs> so, I mean, and I don't dislike Noah Baumbach. I actually really do like Kicking and Screaming, but for different reasons, you know. And I would definitely watch 
Rushmore before kicking and screaming, mostly because I think I I would a hundred percent watch Rushmore any day over kicking and screaming. (laughs) Um, not we're not talking about Will Ferrell movie, you know. Those are they're different movies. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Uh, Very different movies, but yeah, I I would be excited. I guess going into this next phase of his career, um, and I do think I mean at least Royal Tenenbaums it like gets. Like either like just as good or better. So we'll see what we get to that though when we get to the episode, at in July. Mm. Um, yeah. What I Exciting think would be an interesting question. Coming. An interesting question of the week is like, what club would you start up at Rushmore? Hmm. Film club. Uh, I think would be a good one. Yes. But it needs to be yes. called like something silly, like not just mm. film club. Like it needs to be like. Les Cinephile Society or something. So then, like, only two people come. Yeah. Um, but then you only talk about, like, Airbud and Rush Hour. Yes. Like, the, it's like you, you, you trick people. They're like, oh, yes. Um, okay, here. no, let me think. Um, okay, so I think that one that I would start would be, like, a Hallmark movie club. Wow. Like, specifically, so like, Hallmark movies. Um, yes. That sounds like a good club. Yeah, or like a rom-com go, club, but. like something like that. Mm. Um, let's see. What what kind of ones would you do? I would probably do like, well, with the theme of Rushmore, mm. maybe I would do like a British Invasion club where you go you go through a lot of British Invasion artists. Okay. Like the Kinks and like the Beatles and Rolling Stones. And maybe you even compare them to like where the music came from okay. and then what it did. I think that'd be interesting. I'm very interested club. in 60s like British invasion stuff. So that I I'll say I'll do that club, you know? The yeah, that sounds like a a fun time. I think I would also do like a, a Muppets club. Um <laughs> <laughs> where you talk about the Muppets. You watch the Muppets. Yeah. Um maybe I mean there's so many Muppet shows. Well, it could even be watch. like a Muppet club in combination with a puppet club. So it's like puppeteering, mm. but with Muppets. That would be interesting. Um, you have puppeteers come in and like show you the ropes on different things. Master yeah, classes. And you learn how to puppet do puppets. And I think that would be a fun one. I would probably do soccer. Yeah. Of course. So- soccer club. Photography or just club. Star- or just soccer um, yeah. I'm surprised that he didn't do a photography club. That seems like something that he would be into. Or maybe like a documentary maps. club could be cool. Like you watch documentary mm. movies. Different types. Like one person picks one every every month. Yeah, maybe. and then you could bring you in like it. outside people to like come talk about those things. Documentarian, like, like a local yes. history expert on whatever the topic is about i don't know uh, lots Amazing. of good options so many clubs to start so let us know your club that you would start and we'll read them in the next episode and we'll see if we would join them mm. you know i'll see if i would join yeah so make sure club. yeah make sure your club is interesting and we'll see <laughs> i <laughs> let's see i could see danny doing what like a dune club like a sci-fi <laughs> reading club <laughs> I just think or only it the Dune, Dune club only funnier. Dune Club. It could be the Dunk, <laughs> the Dunk Club. <laughs> hey, they got a lot of books they could do. You know, um, take them right through one for each semester. Yeah, maybe take them a lot through high school. <laughs> yeah. So let us know your club. Um, you can answer that question on any of our social media platforms: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can answer it on Spotify using that uh, answer feature down underneath, like the player um or on our website or email it to us all that stuff is down below 
So you can just go down there or like in the show notes, go there and follow the links. And while you're there, you can maybe leave us a review. That'd be very helpful. Review mm-hmm. and rating, five-star rating yeah. on Apple Podcasts and Spotify helps us a lot. And we like reading reviews too. So it's like a win-win for us. It is. What is So let's just quickly explain. So next week, what are we doing? We're taking a break next week. <laughs> um, I know we Classic just recently Ross and Rachel move. took a break. Um, wow. Yes, we're on a break. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, yeah I, I'm i really busy right now because my team that I coach is uh, in the state tournament for soccer. Wow, so. your, lacrosse, your lacrosse team. That wow, you yeah, lacrosse, which I know <laughs> nothing about. Um, no, yeah, so I like we were originally going to do a Jurassic – Dominion? Yeah. The, Dominion? The, is that Dominion, it? Dominion, yeah. Uh, the, and the it just one. is like, there's no time to watch a billion Jurassic movies or to like want to yeah. rewatch the Chris Pratt movies just to do an episode right well, now. So well, it really shows you too, like, because this is like the culmination of the, the entire series and it just shows you how little excitement there is that like, because if I think if we were at, excited enough for this, we would find a way to do I would have found a way. A review. Yeah. But like, I'm not, I'm just not excited enough to try. Um, because I'm also traveling on Saturday, yeah. and so it's like it just you know just is a little busy. But the week after, then we got we a good one. Lightyear, Lightyear, Lightyear's away. I'm not sure about this one. I, I'm, I'm not super I'm, excited I'm, about I'm, it, but I'm a little scared. I think it's gonna look really nice. I do. Hmm. I do think it's gonna look gorgeous on a big screen. That being said, True that. I can't say this is a movie I have super been looking forward to. So, Yeah. Well, it is the first Pixar movie in uh, two years that we'll be watching in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Good, you know? good point. So that'll be interesting. We watched three on Disney Plus, but going back to the big screen. Since onward, right? Another, yeah, onward in March 2020. Um, so it's over two years now. Wild. Wow. Yeah, so um, in two Tuesdays, that one will come out, which is, what is that date? The 21st of June. So, yeah, stick around for that. And we'll probably also update our Pixar rankings, you know, see where, Ooh, they fit in, see where it fits in. Fun. Will it be towards the bottom or to the top? I'm th- I, my prediction is it'll be in the middle somewhere. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. But, you know. You never know. No, no, I'm reserving judgment. You know, I'll, my my heart is open to light year. Wow. Anything else until then? I got nothing. Well, until next time, I'm Noah. And I'm Kayla. And, and we're, we're your, your second, second hand film, film critics. critics.